Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast, your go-to resource for all things real estate and all things St. Pete. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Selling St. Pete podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Sanchez. On this episode, we're going to be talking about closing costs in a residential transaction, also referred to as settlement fees. These are expenses buyers and sellers normally incur to complete a real estate transaction and are in addition to the down payment. And when we get to the buyer's section, we'll also be talking about prepaids. Before I get into the details, it is important to note some of the fees that I will be discussing vary depending on your location, loan type, mortgage lender, title company, and or attorney used. There are three contracts that are commonly used here in Florida. The as-is residential contract for sale and purchase and the residential contract for sale and purchase both of which have been approved by the Florida Realtors and the Florida Bar and are commonly known as the FAR Bar contracts. The third contract is the Florida Realtors contract for residential sale and purchase, which is colloquially known as the CRISP contract. And we will discuss these contracts in depth in future episodes. All three of these contracts outline the closing costs buyers and sellers should anticipate. On the as-is FAR bar contract, you'll find the section for closing costs on page 3, paragraph 9, lines 126 through 144. On the standard FAR bar contract, you'll find them outlined on page 3, paragraph 9, lines 129 through 158. And on the CRISP contract, you'll find them on page two, paragraph five, lines 69 through 91. If you are buying new construction, the builder will likely have their own contract that they use. I'll begin by discussing the closing costs customary for sellers. The first expense I'm gonna talk about is the dock stamps and surtax on the deed, commonly referred to as the transfer tax. This is a tax imposed on certain documents that are executed, delivered, or recorded in Florida. And this fee covers documents that transfer interest from one party to another in Florida real property, such as the deed. This tax is paid to the clerk of the court where the document is being recorded. In all Florida counties except Miami-Dade, the tax rate imposed is 70 cents on each $100 or portion thereof of the total consideration or purchase price. So for example, for a home that sells for $500,000, the dock stamps tax would be $3,500. And this tax rate is promulgated by the state of Florida. And again, the fee is typically paid by the seller. If you live in a community with an HOA or condo association, there is a fee for obtaining an estoppel letter. 
This certificate is provided by the HOA or condo association and indicates whether or not a seller is current on their association dues and or assessments or if they have any liens against them. If you are purchasing in a community with a condo or HOA association, it is critical to get an estoppel letter because in Florida, purchasers are jointly and severally liable with the previous owner for dues and assessments owed to the association. So you want to make sure that you aren't going to be stuck with the previous owner's expenses or in jeopardy of the association trying to foreclose on the property. The cost of the estoppel letter varies by association, but in 2017, the Florida Senate placed a cap on the maximum amount that an association can charge for it. The maximum that can be charged is $250 or a total of $350 if there is a request to expedite the estoppel letter. And you will want to make sure this is ordered early in the transaction because some associations can take up to 21 days to provide the document. Estoppel letters are effective for 30 days from the date of delivery or 35 days if it's delivered by mail. There are also recording fees or other fees that may be needed to cure the title. The recording fees are typically $10 for the first page and $8.50 for each additional page or fraction of a page. And again, there may be additional documents needed to cure the title, um, such as an affidavit to clear up any misinformation or a discharge for a lien or a satisfaction or release of a judgment, uh, just to name a few examples. If the seller chooses to be represented by an attorney, they will have to pay the attorney's fees. And that said, in Florida, parties can choose to have a title company close a transaction. And per the contract, the party that chooses the title company will be responsible for paying the owner's title policy. This ensures the title company is providing the buyer with a free and clear title to the property. This policy will ensure the new owner against specific kinds of claims listed in the policy. And the owner's policy is a one-time premium and remains in effect for as long as the buyer or any heirs own the property. If you are selling your home and you have an owner's policy and you've owned the home less than three years, you are eligible for a rebate. In episode four of this podcast, I have a high-level overview of the role a title company plays in a real estate transaction. If the seller is a foreign person as defined by federal law, buyers and sellers may have to comply with the Foreign Investment and Real Property Tax Act, also known as FERPTA. We will also have a detailed look at FERPTA and its implications in a future episode. Just know if the seller is a foreign person, there may be additional charges due to FERPTA. It is customary for the seller to pay the real estate commission for both the listing agent and the selling agent. 
and the compensation that is provided to each agent is outlined in the listing agreement that is signed between the seller and the broker. And in addition to the owner's policy, other fees from the title company are a title search fee. This document provides a summary listing of all the past documents affecting title to the land and property being purchased. These fees can range from $75 on the low end to $275 on the high end. A municipal lien search. This search allows the title company to find unrecorded liens as well as code violations, special assessments, utilities, bills, and or open or expired permits. And I've seen these municipal searches range from $50 to $157. A settlement fee. This is the fee the title company charges for facilitating the transaction. And these fees vary by the individual title companies and are negotiable. Some title companies charge the same rate for each party. Some charge more for finance transactions some charge more for the buyer, and I've seen these fees range from $150 on the low end to $775 on the high end. Other closing costs that a seller may incur are fees for general repair items, fees for wood destroying organism treatment and or wood destroying organism repairs, costs associated with closing out open or expired building permits and or obtaining permits for existing improvements uh, for which a permit was not obtained, a mortgage payoff, home equity line of credit or home equity loan payoff, second mortgage, lien or assessment, property taxes, HOA or condo association dues or assessments. And on the buying side, customary closing costs are taxes and recording fees on the notes or mortgages. This is similar to the doc stamps, but this tax is derived based on the total amount of the loan and is set at 35 cents for every $100. So the transfer tax on a $500,000 mortgage would be $1,750. There is a cap of $2,450 levied on promissory notes or other written agreements to pay. However, that cap does not apply to mortgages. And additionally, an intangible tax is levied on transactions with a mortgage or note, and that tax is calculated at the rate of two mils on each dollar of the value of the note or mortgage or $2 for every $1,000 of the loan amount. If you are purchasing a property with an HOA or condo association, you will likely have to pay an application fee and possibly a transfer fee. Additionally, some associations require the buyer to be approved by the association before they can close on the transaction. In these instances, the buyer usually has an interview with a member or members of the association. Again, if this situation pertains to you, I would encourage you to begin the process as soon as possible. 
time is of the essence and this process can take a while so you want to make sure you aren't delaying your closing because of this process. There are also recording fees for the deed and financing statements. These fees are typically $10 for the first page and $8.50 for each additional page or fraction of a page. The length of the document will vary and will depend on a variety of factors. Lender's title policy and endorsements. In the seller's portion, I describe the owner's title policy. When a buyer is obtaining a mortgage, their lender may also require its own title insurance policy as a condition of the mortgage, and this is usually paid for by the buyer. A lender's policy ensures the lender's interest in the title to the property. A title endorsement is an addition to or limitation of the title insurance coverage that is attached to a title policy. Endorsements provide coverage that tailors the policy to fit a specific need. The common thread of an endorsement is to ensure against or confirms there aren't any violations against the property that could have a negative financial impact for the lender. The average title endorsement runs approximately $200 to $300. And speaking of lenders, there are fees charged by the lenders for the creation of the mortgage. Like title companies, these fees vary, and I would recommend speaking with multiple lenders and comparing fees. These should be done before you begin viewing properties, in particular in a seller's market, because when you find the home you will want to write an offer on, you will want to be armed with your pre-approval letter. Lenders fees can include underwriting fees, discount points for buying down the mortgage, a credit report, processing fee, escrow, impound or reserve fees, administrative fee, prepaid interest, origination fee, condo certification fee, to name a few. These fees will be outlined in your loan estimate, but a loan officer should also be able to provide you with the information prior to writing an offer. A survey. This document confirms the property's boundary lines and legal description. It also determines other restrictions or easements included with the property. This is typically required when a buyer is obtaining a mortgage, but I would recommend it even if a buyer is paying cash. Sometimes a seller has a survey from when they purchase the property and the title company is able to use it. However, if anything has changed since the survey was made, such as a fence or a deck being added or an addition on the home, the buyer will have to have a new survey. Additionally, I've seen some title companies reject the seller survey due to the age of the survey. These typically cost between $250 and $350. At the end of episode four, with John Ricker from Baxter Title, we discuss some crazy scenarios that he has encountered when it comes to surveys. Buyer's home inspection. I would always recommend the following inspections. Full home inspection, pest or wood destroying organism inspection, 
and if the plumbing is older, a sewer scope. If the property has a pool, I would also recommend a pool inspection. Like other services mentioned, the prices can vary, but I would say the average home inspection runs $300 to $500 for a 2,000 square foot home. Some things that could run the inspection a little higher is if the property has a crawl space or if significantly older home or if it's a large property. Uh, pest inspections typically run $100 to $150 and a thorough pool inspection could run north of $300 depending on how big the pool is and if there are additional items such as spas or waterfalls, etc., water features. If you are obtaining a mortgage, you may also need to order a four-point inspection and a wind mitigation report. These typically run $75 to $200 for the pair. And the four-point looks at the four major systems of the property, roof, plumbing, electric, and HVAC, and acts as a report card for the insurance company to let them know the age of those systems and if there are any red flags, such as aluminum wiring or polybutylene pipes or a leaking roof, etc. And a wind mitigation report tells the insurance company effectively how hurricane-proof the property is. And there are a number of different elements, such as impact windows or hurricane shutters, hurricane straps, secondary water barrier on a roof that a home could have um, could earn discounts for on the insurance and so it's while the report may cost you a little bit of money in the long run it could save you a lot of money depending on how many discounts your home is eligible for and that said any one of these inspections could uncover thousands of dollars of damage that may not be easily observable and could save the buyer a lot of money and headaches in the long run. In episode six of this podcast, I have an in-depth conversation with Christine Shelton of Shelton Home Inspections about home and pest inspections. The appraisal. When a buyer is obtaining a mortgage, the bank will typically order an appraisal to make sure their asset is worth the money they are lending to their customer. Basically, they want to ensure they would be able to recoup their investment if they had to put the home back on the market. Unless otherwise decided, the appraisal typically covers the loan value as opposed to the purchase price. An appraisal can also be utilized by a buyer who chooses to pay cash to ensure the property is worth what they are buying, buying it for. If you are deciding whether or not to utilize an appraisal contingency, I would definitely recommend discussing the pros and cons with your real estate advisor. In an active seller's market, Including an appraisal contingency could eliminate you from contention if a seller has multiple offers and other offers do not have that contingency. Appraisals vary in price, and I've seen them in the range of $365 on the low end to $545 on the high end. And in episode 12, I discuss appraisals 
with John Barcello of Value Centric. Typically, the buyer's inspections and appraisal are paid for at the time of the service, not at the closing. Insurance, and now we're gonna be talking about prepaids. So insurance, um, this typically includes property insurance, possibly flood insurance or other property-related insurance policies the buyer wishes to include. This portion is known as prepaids because you're paying in advance of incurring the insurance. The amount of this item will depend on how much insurance coverage you're obtaining, whether or not flood insurance is required, how much um, how insurable and hurricane-proof the home is as determined by the four-point and wind mitigation reports. Property taxes are also a prepaid. And in our area, property taxes are paid in arrears, which means that if you are paying your property taxes today, you are paying for January 1st through December 8th, 2020. When property taxes are prorated, the closing day goes to the buyer. So in other words, if you were closing on a transaction today, the seller would be responsible for January 1st through December 8th, while the buyer would be responsible for December 9th through December 31st. If the buyer chooses to be represented by an attorney or have an attorney review documents, they would have to pay the attorney's fees. And even though the owner's title policy, title search, and municipal search are customarily seller's fees, I have seen buyers elect to pay them, and at times that election has been the difference in a multiple offer situation of them winning the offer or not getting the property. If a buyer is putting down less than 20%, they may also be responsible for PMI, which stands for private mortgage insurance. And sometimes there are um, upfront fees that come with PMI that's due at closing. And if the buyer is obtaining a VA or FHA loan, they may also incur a funding fee. With VA loans, the amount of the funding fee depends on how much money is going towards the down payment. Uh, this fee can be paid at closing or it can be financed into the mortgage. Additionally, um, the veteran should check with their lender to see if they are entitled to a funding fee exemption. With FHA loans, the funding fee is also known as upfront mortgage insurance premium and is 2.25% of the loan amount. And be aware if you are purchasing new construction as some builders will pass along their closing costs uh, to the buyers, such as the title insurance and transfer fees. Knowing the customary closing costs can provide you with an estimate of what to expect so you know what you may be able to negotiate with the, the builder. And some builders offer incentives to offset those closing costs. And those incentives may be higher if you buy early in the development 
or when the builder is selling the final properties in the development and closing it out. If you're working with a real estate advisor, they should be able to help you negotiate with the builder to cover some of those expenses or to negotiate upgrades or features or appliances that may not typically be included in the purchase. And you should be able to get a breakdown an estimate of the closing costs from the builder in advance of executing a contract. Also, when setting up an escrow account on new construction, be sure the lender sets the escrow amount based on the estimated property taxes for the improved property or the sales price and not on the lot value. Otherwise, you may face a significant increase in monthly payments after the first year when those taxes reflect the improved property and not just the lot value. And while there's no way to eliminate all taxes and fees associated with closing costs, there are some ways that you could save money on them. As a seller, the good thing is you don't have to come up with the money out of pocket. Provided you'll be making a profit in the sale of the property, your closing costs can be deducted from your net proceeds. On the buying side, I wanna offer several ways that you can save money on your closing costs and prepaids that are due at closing. One, you could ask the seller for a credit. And while this request is pretty common, you'll wanna make sure you know the situation you are putting an offer in on. If you are in a seller's market and the property is newly listed and multiple offers are anticipated, this request could knock you out of contention. But I have seen and negotiated buyer credit even in a seller's market under the right circumstances. Also, be sure to check with your lender as some loans have a limit on the amount that a seller can contribute towards a buyer's closing costs. Two, as I mentioned previously, speak with multiple loan officers and utilize a lender with low fees. Three, ask the title agent if they offer a Butler rebate. This is a rebate on their portion of the premium. Not every title company offers a Butler rebate, but you never know if you don't ask. I've seen one in the amount of $500. Four, compare prices of other vendors, inspectors, surveyors, title companies. I would also add the caveat that sometimes you get what you pay for, so I wouldn't make the determination solely on price. Be sure that you are comfortable with the vendor's service quality and uh, their customer service. Five, consider closing at the end of the month. You will save on closing costs because there are fewer days left for interest to accrue. For example, if you close on the 28th of the month, you would only have to pay for a few days, whereas if you close on the 1st or 2nd, you will have to pay interest for the entire month. Your lender should be able to run the scenario for you to determine how much you could potentially save. Six, consider applying for down payment assistance. If you are a first-time home buyer, which is defined as not owning a primary residence in the last three years, there are a ton of programs for you to consider. 
and I will record an episode all about down payment assistance in the future. Just know that there is money out there, and in many cases, it is interest-free money. And in addition to first-time homebuyers, there are down payment assistance programs for designated areas in a community. Down payment assistance programs often set a maximum sales price and or income limits, so not everyone will qualify. But make sure you speak with a lender or real estate advisor that is well-versed in this area, as there are a lot of nuances. But it can be a great opportunity for the right buyer. Seven, if you are buying new construction, you may be able to save money by utilizing the builder's preferred lender. I would recommend comparing the builder's lender to other lenders to see how the rates and overall fees compare, but you may be able to save in closing costs or get additional incentives from the builder by using their preferred lender. Eight, if you are paying cash, you may be able to eliminate the settlement fee charged by the title company. And nine, there is a misnomer that a buyer has to put down 20% when purchasing a new home. There are a number of loan products where that is not necessary. And there are a number of 100% financing loan products out there, such as the VA loan, USDA loan, and many financial institutions have a 100% doctor's loan program. So again, be sure to speak with a lender and or real estate advisor to determine the best loan product for your situation. In closing, I mentioned this earlier, but I wanna reiterate, while I think it's important to know what fees you are paying and how they compare to other vendors, remember that service is part of what you pay for. Make sure the company or vendor you choose is reputable and offers excellent customer service. I hope this episode has been informative and useful for you. If you think so, please consider leaving a review or sharing with someone who could use the information. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you can listen to future episodes. And if you have a show topic that you'd like to share with me or have a real estate related question that you'd like to ask, I'd love to hear it. You can call or text me at 719-201-5022 or you can reach me via email at Nicole at sellingstpetefl.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E at S-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-T-P-E-T-E-F-L dot com. Thank you.